Triple Zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Man, Super Bowl is still two weeks away, but that does not mean that it is a time for slowing down in the sports world. As you know, we are getting close to the NBA All-Star Game, and um, we are getting very close to the offseason activities in the NFL, which include the NFL Draft and the free agency period. So before we get into any of that, though, if you're going to follow me, follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page at Triple Zeros, no ease. Hit up the website, jukesandjumpers.wordpress.com, and hit up the email address if you need to reach out to me, jukesjumps at gmail.com. Like I said, a lot of stuff going on in the NFL, even though the Super Bowl is still a couple of weeks away. But on that topic, on that subject, the Chiefs do open up as early favorites. The spread has Kansas City favorite minus one right now. So they do expect it to be a close game. I'm surprised that it's so close because, I mean, the the love that's on the Chiefs right now, rumor has it, is that most expect them to be highly dominant in this game and, and blow the Niners out of the water. Vegas doesn't seem to believe that. So I, I tend to think it's more somewhere in the middle. I don't know if they're necessarily going to be blowing them out, but I don't think it's going to be as close as it was, say, for the Titans early on in the game against the Chiefs where it looked like the Titans actually could pull one off. This one I think will be Chiefs early and then maybe the Niners kind of make it interesting when the Chiefs are trying to sustain that lead, but then I just see that Chiefs offense overwhelming them. See, the, the difference here to me is that we've already seen Kansas City beat a team like the 49ers in the Tennessee Titans. Now, I'm not saying that they're the, the same thing because – Talent-wise, there's more on the Niners' sideline. That's fair. But it's still a very similar style of team where they're trying to limit the amount of damage that a quarterback can do and it's highlighting on the run game and the defense. But Kansas City spreads you out and forces your hand and makes you become like them. And you're not built like them. <laughs> not many teams are. So I thought that last week with Green Bay Pack with the Green Bay Packers that they would give the Niners a better you know, a better struggle, a better fight in the conference championship game, and it just never came. Green Bay kind of got jumped out on, and it was very similar to their their previous matchup. And, I mean, history, you know, Aaron Rodgers is winless against the team, against the Niners in California. So, I mean, it's not really, it's not really something that I think is surprising to see them put it tight. I I mean, we'll see if that number grows, but, I don't think it's going to be a blowout either. So I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in either camp. And that's it. Uh, rumor has it that Bleacher reports Mike Freeman was being told by a number of executives that they don't. They'd be surprised if the Chiefs didn't blow out the 49ers. Now that could be some kind of, you know, dropped information to get some some bulletin board material up there. Who knows? Who knows who told him and who knows what their intent was? That's not the point. Point is, I don't think it's going to be that. Like. The Niners' defense is really, really good, and that Chiefs' offensive line can be had. Now, the defense of the of Kansas City did step up, and they have stepped up of late, but they're going against one of the more consistent units 
defensively in San Francisco. And then that offense, now see, that's where that's where I think we're finally going to get to see the test. Now, I've been critical, to put it nicely, of that offense, Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense in San Francisco. I think we're going to see him look a lot like Ryan Tannehill, where he's going to have some plays, and at the end, his stat line's going to look all right, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I've been saying that for forever, and they keep winning. It was the same thing with Tennessee, though. I kept picking against them, and then they kept on winning. But eventually, eventually, that style, I think, fades out now. Who knows? Anything can happen. That's why you play the game. But if, if I'm, I'm picking, I, I still have to go with Kansas City. Also, the over-under for this game is 54. And the money line is Kansas City at minus 122. And San Fran is at plus 101. But that just, of course, begins our NFL talk. The breaking news was that the NFL draft was going to be held in Vegas. And it was going to be held... Next year, it's going to be held in Vegas, and it's going to be held on water. Now, I'm not saying it's bad imagery. I could see how it could be misconstrued as bad imagery. It's weird. It's wild. It's out there. It's a way to, to, to break in Las Vegas. The Raiders just recently announced their official name change to the, their, their homecoming. I'm not sure how you would phrase it, but they announced themselves as the Las Vegas Raiders. And... To have the draft there now and then do on the boat. It's just, it's all grand fashion. It fits with Sin City. And I think it's great. Hey, where, where do you apply to be? Like, can I now officially say that I'm a, like, a lifelong Las Vegas Raiders fan? Is that how that works? Is that how that works? I think that's how that should work. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. But the questions were had, had did, the questions did have to be asked. Was this the best idea? So, uh, obviously, with it being on the boat and with the complications in, in a relationship between players and management is it possible that this is giving off the wrong kind of message with having players going over to be picked up after being selected and now they're getting put under contract i'm thinking that's a bit too much to look into it it's a bit wild and extravagant but it's right on brand for the nfl to be a bit wild and extravagant and of course we know that there'll be a little bit of everything being drafted so let's not that's not necessarily the way I would look at it but it is kind of weird <laughs> I mean if nothing else it's very weird very Vegas though I, I love it I love I love it and I, I'm excited to see what's going to happen for what the NFL has in store for Las Vegas in its inaugural season and when it hosts its first draft but that all will transpire over the summer and speaking of the summer we have early free agency rumors and a lot of the talk is about quarterbacks as usual because you know most important position in the game and a number of big names are looking to be on the move after it became it was a bit of a back and forth for a lot of these guys throughout the year number one cam newton out in carolina now early on it looked like he was going to be out when he got the injury and then kyle allen came in and filled in rather nicely that kind of faltered and then it looked like will greer would get a chance but that didn't look like it was going to be a long term so then it was like okay maybe cam will stay around well Carolina decided to fire Ron Rivera and hire Matt Rule, and then he decided to clean house. David Tepper honestly decided to fire Ron Rivera, and uh, everybody know that he wanted to go with a fresh start. And so we brought in Matt Rule, former Baylor head coach, and the prevailing thought now is that he's going to be bringing in his own head coach to fit his scheme. Now, that, that makes perfect sense, but that does lead to some interesting possibilities for Cam Newton. And one that I saw suggested, I believe it was in Bleacher Report, and they said that Cam will be replacing Phillip Rivers in Carolina or in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Now, I had been a person who was saying that I would like to see him come to the Chicago Bears. 
fit be damned. I'm not really interested in hearing people argue about how he doesn't fit in the Matt Nagy offense and this, that. I'm not sure that the quarterback that's there now fits in the Matt Nagy offense. So I don't really want to hear anything about that. But I do think that's an interesting place for him. That's a lot of weapons he have. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen at his, at his disposal. Melvin Gordon in the backfield. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows how that's going to end up playing out. But that one was one I think that was kind of it's been such a waffle of a season for Cam and, and the injuries that he's dealt with and over the past few years, and you have people questioning whether or not he still has a talent, but his arm strength is still there. It's really a question of how much mobility does he maintain and how well do does his next coach, his next team, utilize that? Do they allow it to be a prevalent part of his game? Do they tell him to pick and choose the spots? Do they design him still? That is signifying to everybody involved that Phillip Rivers will no longer be with the Los Angeles Chargers next year. Now, you know, he could be a wild boy, Rivers, who was still who will throw a pick and talk trash to the guy who just picked him off and ran back for a touchdown. Gotta, gotta honor that man. But it's it's still something to monitor, and it's it's really worth monitoring because I saw a mention that you could possibly see Jameis end up here in Chicago. Now, I've been asking this question off and on for a couple of of episodes now. What would fans rather have? The Mitchell Trubisky kind of erratic where when he plays when he plays a little bit freer, he does seem to have a bit of an edge to him, a bit of an upside. But when he hesitates, it's awful, as opposed to a Jameis Winston who you kind of want him to have a little bit of that hesitation because he just lets it fly. Ultimate green light, and he just chucks a picks with reckless abandon. He set the record for first time having a 30-30 season. So you don't – it's it's really a, a, a wild juxtaposition of – mashing together a quarterback room and I just don't see that's that was suggested by pro football focus by the way it, it's an interesting choice and I'm sure that if if it's not a, for lack of talent I'll say that but I just don't see them being in on the guy that's just a polar opposite type of thing that just seems way too reckless of a move and then the other mention for the Bucks was that Tom Brady will be testing free agency, and they were one of the teams that I personally like to see Tom Brady head to the Raiders if the Raiders do decide to move from Derek Carr, which I think would be a mistake, by the way. I need to mention that. But I think I would like to see Brady go to the Raiders. Therefore, the Bucks will be eliminated. But the suggestion of the Bucks is interesting because that's another situation where they'd get a ready-made quarterback with a ready-made team. Now, they do need to work on that run game, and I saw suggestions of them perhaps pursuing Melvin Gordon or Derrick Henry. But I think having Phillip Rivers there would be a much more prudent move. And I still, again, maybe that's just me wanting to see Brady go to the Raiders. I think that would be perfect, right? Tom Brady, the golden boy going to the Raiders. I believe I said that a couple of episodes, too. I'm, I'm sticking to that one, especially with them just unveiling station. Now, he did, he moved to, to Connecticut. So it's not like he's way out of the way to still stay with the Patriots. But all signs point to them being there being a, a divorce coming in the Patriot-Brady marriage. So that's another one to keep an eye on. And then we mentioned a little bit the Bears quarterback situation. Brian Perez of NBC Sports noticed that there were no quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl this week worth Bears' time. And it's funny because that's contrary to a lot of reports where guys were seeing players like Jordan Love and Justin Herbert and, and kind of falling in love with them and knowing that, okay, those two will be gone. That was the first thing that Brian Perez said. But the one that everybody was, you kind of hear the name mentioned now, and it was really brought up by Patrick Sheldon of the Windy City, was Anthony Gordon, the Washington, Washington State quarterback. 
and Brian Perez specifically mentions him by name as one to avoid. Now, maybe this is a contrarian type of play thing, you know, where everybody's on this guy, so I'm going to zag here. That's possible, but it also was mentioned that he has the slight frame and that he is playing in the Mike Leach system and that he has still had some 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 suggest some questionable moments in decision making and his accuracy wasn't always there. Now, I'm not going to act like I watched a lot of Washington State football, but I know I, I caught a couple of games and I saw some things that were like, but it did seem like a project more than anything. It does remind some, and that's where the, the avoid came in, was that I saw some Washington State fans say that he's not like Gardner Minshew, which is a lot of what people think they see in him. But the biggest thing was for, for Perez was that he's his, his slight of frame. He's listed at 200 pounds. I believe he's closer to under 200 pounds. So, but he did suggest, Brian Perez did suggest Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm. Now, Eason especially is notable because when I watch him, I kind of see a, a bunch of the traits that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have said that they see in Mitchell Trubisky and what they saw or what Ryan Pace said he saw in Mitchell Trubisky when he was scouting him before the draft. It's the ability to throw on the run and the accuracy and the running ability itself to, to pick up those yards. That's what also scares me, though, is that, okay, maybe this is how this is the same thing where you pick this guy and he turns out to not be good. But it would be a second round pick. So I don't know. I, I still think that if that's the way you go, I'd, I'd pick Jacob Eason over Jake Fromm personally. Now, that's just because I don't think that Fromm actually has a ceiling to be a starting quarterback. I think he's prepared, he will settle in as a mid-tier to top-level backup, serviceable backup. Maybe he can fill in for you for a couple of starts, but I don't think that he has that ceiling. But I do think Eason, and this is my gamble, I guess, because I, this is my not really a, a, a zag to the zig because I'm, I'm tagging on with Perez here, but Jacob Eason, if there was one that I, I think would fall to them, that would be nice. The Anthony Gordon does it. I got to watch some more. before. There's plenty of time between now and the draft to, to get some more information on it, but those two would be the ones to keep an eye on Jacob Eason and Jake or uh, Anthony Gordon as far as Bears quarterbacks in the draft other quarterback news Eli Manning retired from the New York Giants now the best part about this he retired 500 for his career now if you know anything about Eli Manning you know that everybody would describe him in one word as mediocre now it's even funnier because what he's most known for is knocking out the mighty Patriots dynasty twice in the Super Bowl one time when they were undefeated now a lot of people will point to well you know it's a Super Bowl victory it's the same thing but Eli was the MVP both times so you have to look at his stats and it gets interesting because you see a 60% completion 57,000 yards he's the fourth active and the seventh in career with those 366 touchdowns same fourth and seventh and he's got 244 interceptions. 366 touchdowns, 4th and 7th, 244 interceptions. He's a four-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champ, as I mentioned, a two-time Super Bowl MVP. But he's a zero-time All-Pro, never made an All-Pro team. He was never, at any point in time, known as the best quarterback in the NFL. And that's going to haunt him when we get to the ultimate point here of him being... Hall of Fame bound. I do think he gets in because of the two-time 
Super Bowl MVP, two-time champ. And a pro, well, I think his numbers will be just enough, maybe long down the road. I'm not sure. He, he probably won't be first ballot. But if he if he gets in first ballot, that kind of confirms a lot of the, the Patriots hate out there, doesn't it? I kind of, I kind of feel like if, if he gets in, maybe even second time, I'm not sure. But right now, Pro Football Reference has him at a 82-87 on the Hall of Fame meter. The average quarterback is 103. Now, there are some who are lower than that. There are a lot who are below that number who are below Eli's number currently, but a lot of those are from generations past. And when graded on a scale, I think that's what's going to hurt Eli the most is that he was never relied upon to be that guy. And actually, when he was kind of called to do so, didn't really deliver. So that's 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 probably the, the thing that ultimately will delay it for him getting in. I do think he gets in, though. I don't think that that's, all, that's what's going to be the problem. I think that, if anything, it's going to be the fact that he just has to wait a little bit longer because it's not... It's not... He doesn't have anything that jumps off the charts. His one, I guess, notable stat is that he led the league in interceptions in 2007. However, <laughs> to perfectly balance out who Eli Manning is... He also won Super Bowl MVP and obviously won the Super Bowl. So, like, that's per- that perfectly sums him up. He led the league in picks. Oh, but he also won the Super Bowl. So, that's Eli. I, I think he gets in. I don't think it's going to be first battle, but I definitely think he gets in. That's going to wrap it up for this segment of the show, the NFL portion. If you're going to follow the stuff for the NFL, for Chicago Bears, last word on profootball.com. Be back in a moment. We're going to talk about the NBA and Zion season. It's happening. I don't think the game's over. Welcome back, Triple Zeros. We're switching gears now to the NBA. And, man, I don't know if you heard, but if you haven't heard, you've probably been living over under a rock. Zion season is upon us. Zion Williamson did make his NBA debut for the New Orleans Pelicans. And, man, did he deliver 22 points, 7 boards, 3 assists. Get this, in 18 minutes. The kid was 8 of 11 from the floor, 4 for 4 from 3, and outright dominant. He, at one point, I believe, scored 13 straight points for the Pelicans. They did lose the game, but a lot of people contribute that to, attribute that to, the, the Alvin, to Alvin Gentry pulling Zion due to his minutes restriction. According to Sports Reference, he is the first in Sports Reference database with 20-plus points and less than 20 minutes and again the energy in that building was just intense as soon as he got on the floor he looked a little sluggish in the first court, first half a couple of eight minute a couple of four minute bursts but in the second half he came out and just looked like a man amongst boys as he did in college he's got that burst he still looks like an injury waiting to happen but man he's just a dominant dominant player immediately now one of the keys, and we talked about this last episode and the episode before, because I was I have been on the band Brandon Ingram bandwagon for quite some time, but really harping on it this year because of how well he's been playing. And obviously, it was going to be interesting to see how he fared with Zion back in the game. And he did still manage to get 22 points, but he only had three assists, three uh, three rebounds, three assists, two assists. But what's more concerning is that he shot 27% from the floor and 25% from three. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily due to Zion being there, but it definitely was a different flow to the game. And what's concerning, I guess, about it is that Zion didn't play the whole game. So that part, I think, is going to be something to keep an eye on. And maybe 
alters the situation because maybe you've heard, but I think that Brandon Ingram should be a Chicago Bull at some point. That seemed to be on its way to not being a possibility with how well he'd been playing for the Pelicans. But if he can't work with Zion, then, hey, send him this way. I do think he has superstar potential himself. But I, I, and I'm not one who's going to necessarily say that because he can't work with Zion, he can't work with other superstars. But that is a real, I guess that's a legitimate argument. But I don't think that that would be an issue here because I don't think the Bulls have a superstar. I think they have a couple of, a, a star player. Maybe not a superstar player. I think he's a star player. I think Zach Levine's a star player. But the other person to keep an eye on, or that was supposed to have an eye on during this game, was Lonzo Ball. He ended up with 14 points, 12 assists, and 8 boards. He shot 500 from the floor, 500 from 3. Lonzo and Zion looked really well. looked like they were going to be a great pairing for quite some time. You had comparisons to Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. and it, that's That's a bit disrespectful to both of their ceilings I think more so to what Zion can do on both ends of the floor but I think that that's a much more ready-made pair than Brandon Ingram who also needs to have the ball in his hands now we we've talked about how sometimes he and Lonzo's fit can be a little bit clunky but him and Zion on, on top of that is just maybe one too many because again Ingram is a point forward style player. He kind of needs that extra time with the ball in his hands to make something happen. Now, let's not to say that once they get some rhythm together, they won't all figure it out. And I'm probably pushing a little bit harder than, than should be because, again, I would like to see him die in the red and black at some point in time. But I just don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to sustain the level of play, Brandon Ingram, that is, that he had been doing prior to Zion's return because, man, when Zion's on the floor, you just know whose team it is, and it's, it's quite evident. In other teams' news, the Portland Trailblazers welcomed Trevor Ariza in a trade for Kent Bazemore and other parts. Ariza made his debut. He scored 27 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists. The question here, though, is do the Blazers have enough? They also got Yusef Nurkic back, at practice for, uh, back in a full practice. So do they have enough to kind of right the ship? They lost tonight to the – they lost on – Thursday night to the Dallas Mavericks and you just Dame had 47 points or like I said, Ariza had, Ariza had 27 Melo had 20, points. he had a double-double I believe 21-11 and then they got 20 from Gary Trent They just it, and they still lost the game, they don't have anything going in the way of defense and I know they're hoping that Ariza does that now, he did play off the bench, maybe he'll start getting starts down the road, but they didn't have C.J. McCollum either, so that could also be, I mean, a huge contributing factor. They only lost by about eight points or first, uh, along those lines, less, less than ten. I just don't know what they're supposed to do at this point. They fall in such a hole, and it's such a disappointing season because everybody had high hopes for them after they had reached the Western Conference Finals last year. But I said it when it happened, paying both Dame and CJ is not conducive to the long-term health of that organization because you have to have some kind of diversity in what you're doing. The positionless basketball is a real thing, but it works because there's some diversity in what the guys can do. And in in Dame and CJ, you really just have, I don't want to say carbon copies because they do something slightly different, but it's still basically essentially the same kind of guy. And that's not going to be enough, especially when they need some help on the wing and they still are waiting to get their big man back. 
maybe they move somebody like Hassan Whiteside and they get some wing help, but it just doesn't look like they're going to be able to write it. And it's just it's it's a shame because I, you really you root for guys like Dame and CJ, but no one I don't think I don't think there's very many people who couldn't have at least believed that this was a possibility if you told them that down the road this was going to backfire on the Portland Trailblazers. So that's kind of where I, I, I kind of fall in with that one. In some funny news, Stephen A. Smith was shown on Twitter training, boxing, and I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here and say that he was tired. But the man was stiffer than Michael Jackson and the Wiz when they first... It was bad. Stephen A. Stiff. My man was, was, was just standing there looking like a rock'em sock'em robot. I don't even know how to really explain. Like I said, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was tired. But there was just no back to it. It was, it was, he was upright and it, it didn't look good. It didn't look good at all. But, hey, he getting paid, so who cares, I guess, right? He doesn't really care. And then I tried to avoid it. I guess that's why I threw in a Stephen A. Smith story. But I had to talk about it. There is some more Luka Doncic, Mia Culpa. I had to for further apologize if you don't know. Coming out, I dogged the the hype that he was getting. I didn't buy into it. I didn't think that, not necessarily he could be good enough. I didn't think that he was as good now as people were saying that he was. And, man, flat out, I was wrong. Like, there's no other way to put it. <laughs> the, the kid is legit. The kid is more than legit. He's, he's looking like the future. Tonight he had, on Thursday night, he had 27-9 and 6 and that went against Portland. He also became the youngest all-star game starter since LeBron James. So that's just my little piece of Luka Doncic Miyakova. Again, every time he does something noteworthy, I will make sure to make note of it and make mention of it because I did so much apparent hate. Now, I I couldn't even deny it. He's, He's so good that my slow down mentality can be viewed no other way than pure hate. That's how good this kid has been so far in his career so i mean there's some things he can improve on sure but damn it the kids the kid is good (laughs) he can play the rest of the all-star game stars were also announced obviously in the west you have lebron Kawhi, anthony davis and james Harden, and in the east you get Giannis antetokounmpo pascal siakam joel mb trey young and kemba walker it's gonna be an interesting game the uniforms were ugly I'm not going to, I'm not even, I don't even know what that was. They said they were inspired by Chicago and I, I tweeted it out again. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Buck. I tweeted it out like they, they think Chicago's trash. Cool. I, like that's, that's what they're trying to say because they're not, they're not good looking uniforms. They're just not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. It was, it was bad. It was bad. And speaking of Chicago, the Bulls, man, listen. I'm talking with a co-worker and he keeps sharing with me his vision for how to reclaim the team. And I share it with you with the take it with the grain of salt mentality, but also with a, a man can dream mentality because it sounds so great. And in his dream, he says that, you know, this season with the Golden State Warriors, which and this is where it comes off the rails, because now we've seen how how stacked they're about to be come next year. But he spoke of seeing the Golden State Warriors be so bad. That Steve Kerr says, you know what? I'm not ready for this rebuild. I'm not, I'm not down to do another rebuild here. Again, you, again, we know this is not going to happen now because of how set up the Warriors are for the future. But he was saying, I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I'm out of here. I'm gonna go back to Chicago, and I'm gonna 
I'm going to rebuild that franchise. Now, obviously, this entails cleaning house top to bottom because you give a guy like Steve Kerr full organizational control. Now, he doesn't necessarily have to go back to the sidelines. He can go to the front office and run things from there. His other additions, and these weren't even necessarily mentioning coaches. That's the interesting part. Like I said, you could put Kerr in the front office and he can hire a coach. But the other additions were keeping Scotty Pippen around. And I think I kind of helped guide that part in there because Scotty's been a, a good brand ambassador. But also, he's saying that they should have utilized and then tried to further utilize Dwayne Wade. Now, he seems to be enjoying retirement down in South Beach, and I don't blame him shooting Gatorade commercials and stuff like that, being competitive with his wife. But the tandem, he's, his point was bring back a star, a hometown star, and, and kind of rebuild the reputation. Now, all these moves, obviously, like I said, entail them cleaning house completely, not happening. But it just kind of shows you how concerned, how committed, how dedicated fans are to the team when even when they're trash, the the first thing that they want to do is find out ways to write it. Now, granted, it costs the the solution cost would cost people their jobs, and you never want to root for anybody to lose their job. But I think what's more important, or what's really happening, is not that people are shooting for or rooting for somebody to lose their job, but they're rooting for their team to write the ship. And the Bulls at one point had the greatest team in the NBA. They had a, a dynastic run, but ever since then, it's been. Fumbling, bumbling, stumbling, building up for letdowns, and I think that's where you see a lot of this frustration. The, the you see it seems less and less full. Still not enough apparently to enact change, but man, we'll just have to sit through another. I don't know how many more games of guys got to play hard and they gotta they gotta fight for the, the 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 bulls across their chest. I think that might be the most disappointing thing. There was a a talk with Jim Boylan, and he said that. Without Wendell Carter, he's still not going to adjust his defensive personnel. We've talked about how he leaves Wendell kind of on the island defensively because he has him blitzing on switches. And if Wendell struggles to do it, I don't know why he'd expect Luke Cornette and Cristiano Felicio to be able to do it because they can't. But he does, and he said that his schemes are duplicitous and that they can be run regardless of who's on the floor. That clearly is not true. But that just further goes to show that this might not be the proper arrangement to get this team where it needs to go. Now, I don't think it's necessarily a proper roster either, but that's neither here nor there. I think you maybe owe it to the investment that you've made into these guys on the floor to see what they can do with some proper leadership on the sidelines. Of course, you can read up my thoughts at any time on the Bulls at PippinAin'teEasy.com, and that is going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. I am your host, Josh Buckhalter. Follow me, again, on Twitter, at Josh G. Buck, on Facebook, at Triple Zeros, no E. Hit up the website, jukesandjumpers.wordpress.com, and of course, the email address is jukesjumps at gmail.com. Until the very next time, Triple Zeros.